It's time for a Big Blue Kickoff Live. Nobody could ever tell you that you couldn't do it because you did. On Giants.com. You know what I saw? New York Giant Prime. And the Giants mobile app. We'll punch you in the nose for 60 minutes with a relentless competitive attitude. Part of the Giants Podcast Network. Let's go out there like a bunch of crazy dogs. Have some fun. Welcome to Monday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live, presented by New York Lottery. He is Jeff Fiegels. I'm Lance Meadow. Good to be with you for the next 60 minutes. Multiple ways to interact with us here on the program. The phone number, 201-939-4513. You can also tweet at us using hashtag GiantsChat and directly to us on Twitter. I'm at Lance Meadow, one word, last name, M-E-D-O-W. He is at Jay Fiegels. And as a reminder, you can find the archive of this show and our entire podcast network brought to you by Investors Bank on the Giants mobile app, podcast platforms everywhere, and at Giants.com slash podcast. So the Giants fell to the Cowboys in Big D, 37-34, as Greg Zerline came through with a game-winning 34-yard field goal as time expired. So the Giants are 0-5. This is the first time they've started 0-5 since the 2006. 17th season. We're going to break down the game. We'll get to your phone calls. And Jeff, as we were discussing at great length on the Giants Radio Network postgame show last night, let's start with what to me has been a continuous trend this season, and it's the penalties, which are not high in volume, though yesterday they did have a season-high eight penalties, but the timing of these penalties. You know, we see teams, you commit penalties in the middle of a drive, five-yard penalty, a hold, a false start. You have an opportunity to regroup. You overcome them. For some reason, when the Giants commit penalties, it happens in the red zone. It happens when they're running a fake field goal. And you can't go up against the Cowboys offense that was coming in averaging over 30 points a game, regardless of their defensive issues, and say, we're going to take two touchdowns off the board because of mishaps and miscommunications. No, we've always talked about the fact, Lance, that this team going against the Cowboys is going to have to score some points. Uh, we didn't, I didn't think it was going to happen, um, especially the way that it did, but you can't just – and we even talked in our pregame show yesterday about giving the opposing team opportunities, right? You can't – Sure. And, that, and that's always been – and in this sense, it's always been turnovers, um, giving them good field position, um, and then all of a sudden now these penalties are starting to creep up and you take two touchdowns off the board – uh, against a, a team that has been scoring, you know, 30-plus points a game, you're not that good of a football team to overcome those types of things. Now, they did some good things in the game yesterday, but they've going to have to sure up those penalties um, no matter where they come. And, you know, if you if you listen to Darius Slayton, the one touchdown that was taken off the board, which would have been, you know, a real pass play into the end zone finally, uh, it was a rub route, and it just it, it shouldn't happen. They run those enough times in practice and in games that they should not be penalized for it because it's, it doesn't have to happen. Now, it was an incidental. He said it incidentally happened, but it can't happen. You can't run that route and have a penalty on that because you look, what, look what happened. They took it off the board. It cost them the game. That was the Damian Ratley offensive pass interference mm-hmm. call that, to mm-hmm. your point, came on the slate and touchdown. Then there was the illegal shift against Cam Fleming on the fake field goal. So they got the Cowboys off guard. Evan Engram wide open, Jeff. Okay, you did what you needed to. But the problem is one player wasn't set. A little bit of a rush. And then, you know, you mm-hmm. can't tap back into that, Jeff. Once you show your cards, that's not one of those plays where you can say, all right, don't worry, we'll get back to it in the fourth quarter and we'll see if we can pull a fast one. You wasted what was a really good setup play 
to get the Cowboys off guard and try to capitalize once again. And there's 14 points right there between both of those plays. Yeah, and we haven't heard from Cam Fleming. We haven't heard from Riley Dixon what happened there. Um, I know being in that position before as a holder, your number one thing as a holder is to get every, make sure that everybody's set uh, before you snap the ball, whether it's a kick or anything. The other one is to make sure that the time, like you have time on the clock that you get the ball snapped in time, right? So I know that Riley, they practiced that play all week. They had to. I wasn't there, but I know that they did. And it worked flawlessly. But you know what? In a game, Cam Fleming's got to get his butt ready and sit down. You know, he's got to get ready to, <laughs> to, to execute that play. And, you know, did Riley snap a little bit too early because he wasn't ready? Maybe. But I will tell you this. Um, there's a situation whenever there's fakes, whether it's field goals or punts, that you're you're catching the op, you're catching the opponent in a in a, a situation where you've studied them and you feel like you can pull one over on them. Well, the Giants pulled one over on the Cowboys, and Evan Ingram was sitting out there wide open, and Riley Dixon was sitting there going, "Oh my God, this is perfect, exactly the way we wanted it," and he. Most likely, in my opinion, probably snapped the ball a little bit too early, and I'm not I'm not going to blame him because both of them are at fault. But and it and it worked, but it didn't work because it wasn't executed properly. That's like me saying, you know, you run for a touchdown for 100 yards, but you know there was a holding call. Well, it didn't work. You ran for 100, but it didn't work. Didn't count. All that matters is what the box score reflects. The box score doesn't reflect those two touchdowns. They were both off the board. I mean, we could sit here, we could put the officiating under the microscope, which is clearly something that NFL fans love to do every single game. But Mm -hmm. as I say all the time, Jeff, and I hope you can relate to this having played in the league for over two decades, good teams overcome those issues. They do. And they don't point to the officials as saying, that's why we lost the game. And let's expand this a little Mm -hmm. bit more, Jeff. While those two were the killers because they took two touchdowns off the board, you know, let's not excuse the fact that Adrian Colbert gets two unnecessary roughness penalties, so Mm -hmm. you tack on 15 yards. Both of them came on C.D. Lamb receptions over the middle. One was for 18. The other one was for 24. So, I mean, just think about the field position you're giving to an electric Cowboys offense. And then the other one of note is Marcus Golden, called for a face mask penalty on that Cowboys final drive where, you know, they have to go about 80-some-odd yards and you have Zeke stopped. The pile is hovering around Zeke and Golden grabs him by the face mask, so there's another 15-yard gift. You know, all of those penalties, I would argue, may have not reflected touchdowns but certainly helped the Cowboys move the chains and get in position to put more points on the board. Yep, and you know, Penalties cost you football games, just like turnovers, because, you know, really when you extend plays for teams uh, by, by bad penalties, you know, so you get a, a third and four stop and you have a defensive holding penalty that's a five yard for, for automatic first down. So these penalties, they extend plays, they extend series. And, you know, we talked all week about what you don't want to do for the Cowboys is give them the opportunity to have those 10 possessions that they have every week. Um, and you know, the Giants did a somewhat of a good job with that. I think they only had eight yesterday. So, but when you have penalties, Lance, you extend those plays, you extend those drives. And, and ultimately if it's a good team, they will take advantage of you. And that's exactly what happened with the Cowboys. The other thing was Dallas scored on a defensive touchdown. 
Daniel Jones once again turning the ball over. Anthony Brown on the scoop and score after Demarcus Lawrence was able to sack Daniel Jones, forced a strip sack. So here we go again. That is now five straight games this season where they've had at least one turnover. They now have nine total on the season. And more often than not, the opposition has been at least able to put some points on the board. Mm -hmm. I think it's amazing to me, Jeff, when you talk about here we have a rare occurrence. The Giants actually won the turnover battle. They had two takeaways. They turned it over once. And one of the turnovers, or the takeaways, I should say, was a defensive touchdown. Kyler mm-hmm. Fackrell had a pick six. Big play. You normally say to yourself, right, the percentages are in your favor when you win the turnover battle. And then on top of winning the turnover battle, you actually take one of those takeaways and score a touchdown. But the Cowboys' defensive touchdown, to me, cancels out what Kyler Fackrell did. So mm-hmm. now you're back to even. And then once again, the eight penalties for over 80 yards also, I would argue, cancels out the other takeaway because you basically even the playing field with Dallas by rewarding them on the offensive end. Yeah. I mean, if you want to look at it that way, it's, 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 it's yeah, that's just, uh, you know, the penalties hurt you. The turnovers continue to hurt you, um, especially when you're giving them touchdowns out of it. Um, the other one that continues to plague this team that we don't talk much, much about it, but... Um, it comes up it's seemingly in at least the games that we think that the Giants had a chance to win. And those are the drives in the second quarter, right before the half, or at the end of the game that they are giving up. Um, and you go back and look at the games, the two that they were giving up at the first halves, um, I think it was the Chicago game. Um, you and can the help Pittsburgh me out with game, too. And the Pittsburgh yeah. game. And then yesterday. You know, at the end of the game, those those other ones came at you know at at the at the before the half. Well, this one came at the end of the game, but but the reality of it is, is the Giants, in all three of those situations, you know, all they do is got to make some stops, and then you also have the situations where you have an opportunity as a team to go down and win a football game. As young as they are, and as much as, as inexperienced that we talk about, this Giants team has had a chance to win some games by by putting together some drives, but. You know, the one turned into a turnover at the end of the game. It cost them the game. Um, yesterday, the offense got one first down and 15 total yards with a minute and 50 seconds left in the game when all they needed to do was get into field goal range because we know that uh, Graham Gano can hit 50-plus field goals. He hit three of them yesterday. And by the way, we don't talk enough about him. That might be the best free agent signing on the history of free agent signings for the Giants. I mean, he is dynamite and coming off an injury, by the way. Um, so... My point is that Giants are making strides, but they gotta, they got to clean up the penalties, the turnovers, and some of the things that are hurting them on these, these last drives of the half and last drives of the game. Well said. This team just unfortunately is not good enough to overcome all of those obstacles. I want to expand on your point about the late drives and the drives overall because okay. – Coming off of the Rams game, Jeff, we mm-hmm. had a lot of conversations about that. It was by far the most impressive defensive performance sure. by that unit. To hold right? that team to, yeah, absolutely. Correct, to hold points. the Rams. Or 19, right? Was it 19? 17 points. 17, yeah. And Cooper Cup was the only explosive play. Mm-hmm. There were no plays over 20 yards other than the 55-yard touchdown. But I remember coming off that game and saying, okay, hey, really good performance. But was that a flash, Jeff? Or was that something that they could duplicate against other powerful offenses? Well, Dallas put together, Jeff, three drives in this game over 75 yards, or at least 75 yards, and they all resulted in big-time scores. You had a Zeke 
One-yard rushing touchdown that capped a 14-play, 75-yard drive. By the way, they, they ran, ran the, the ball 10 yeah. times mm-hmm. on that drive, yep. and it ate up seven minutes. Then they had a six-play, 75-yard drive. This one only took them 35 seconds. This was the one that you were pointing to that came late in the uh, first half. Mm-hmm. Cedric Wilson throws the touchdown pass to Dak. Okay, that's another touchdown. And then second half, 10 plays, 79 yards, 422 off the clock. Zeke, 12-yard rushing touchdown, 31-23. So, you know, that was something that we didn't see against the Rams. The Rams had trouble moving the ball consistently and finishing drives. Dallas did not. And then to your point, the last drive of the game, Michael Gallup, and we brought this up at the pregame show, mm-hmm. Jeff, he was averaging over 21 yards per catch. That's right. So you knew... Okay, this is their big playmaker down the field. This is the guy that they look to air it out to because he has the ability to go up, help his quarterback. And Andy Dalton coming in as the backup quarterback after Dak goes down, the game plan didn't change because Dalton is a veteran quarterback. He's had his fair share of reps in practice with the team. He's been in a variety of offenses. He knew to look to Gallup, the 19-yard pass, the 38-yard pass. You know, that is once again knowing Time, territory, down and distance, who to hone in on. And the Giants, more often than not, were not able to get off the field and make the necessary stop. And make the necessary big play. I mean, all you got to do is break up one of those. You don't know what's going to happen after that, you know. But, again, we talk about this big plays in big games. And, you know, when you go and if you you go from the first first game to the fifth game, you have a ledger, Lance. You put on the left side the opposing team. You put on the right side the Giants. Add up the big plays on the left, add up the big plays on the right. It's going to give you a pretty good idea of what your record is. And this is what haunts this team along with the things that we just talked about, is that this team has got to be able to produce um, and have somebody on both sides of the football that intimidates the opponent to where they have to pay attention to someone like that, which then will free up possibly another player on your team to make a big play. And the Giants are not there yet. They're just not there. I see Darius Slayton as being one of those guys that can make big plays down the field with a vertical passing game if the Giants can get some protection. Defensively, you've got two of your starters that, uh, you know, Kyler Fackrell, I didn't know if he was going to play today, but, you know, you got the X-Men. He goes on IR, and then you got Lorenzo Carter out of the lineup. You meet, like, the first quarter of the game. And so now you're, you're kind of stuck there where you have two of your, your young young guns that you're trying to develop into being those big-time players. And, and I think that's what the Giants thought that those guys can be or think they can be, but you're without them. So, you know, and then you look on the other side of the football with the Cowboys and that defensive line, okay, they got some major players on that other side of the football. Um, and they also have a running back that can run, and they had a quarterback that until he got hurt that could throw the ball. Got in those three wide receivers. So I guess what I'm saying to you is that on paper, the Dallas Cowboys are a much better football team. The Giants did hang with them without throwing a, a touchdown yesterday, but there's things they got to clean up. Four straight games now without a touchdown pass after and Daniel that's amazing. Jones that's yeah, threw at least one in his first 13. It is amazing. It, and you league, look at the offensive production, Jeff, by the way, and I'm glad you touched on that because, once again, this is not to be a Debbie Downer. It's just to put things in perspective, Jeff. Sure. 
when you look at the offensive production or the total points, I should say, okay, 34, let's peel back the layers. Number one, Gano hit four field goals, as you hit on. Okay, so you did not finish drives. That seems to be an issue. You had two legitimate offensive scores, both rushing touchdowns, Evan Ingram on the end around, mm-hmm. and the Devontae Freeman score. Okay, the other one was a defensive touchdown. So your offense technically put up 27 points, to be fair, but you only had two offensive touchdowns. So the inability to consistently finish drives, put points on the board with TDs, that also is still somewhat of a continuous issue because I can't overlook coming out of this game. They were able to put points. They were able to stay with the Cowboys, as you mentioned, but all of the production is not necessarily a result of true offensive scores. Nope, they're not. And I think that, you know, the red zone has been a problem. Um, And that's what we're talking about. I mean, you're getting down there. One thing that the Giants do have in their favor is they, they, they don't have to get down into the red zone, we know, to score points because they have a great field goal kicker. So, you know, if the defense can hold up their end of the bargain, which they basically have two times this year by allowing the opponent to be 17 points, okay, uh, then your offense has got a chance. But all the things that we talk about, they just they shoot themselves in the foot, and that's that's the you know that's the cause of, of being a young football team and learning how to win. They just haven't learned how to win yet, and they came close. Listen, the second half of the game against the Rams, and I think this game yesterday, you're seeing a lot of improvement in a lot of different areas. But you know you always have that other side of the coin, which is the mistakes that these guys are making, and they're costing them football games. And the mistakes get magnified when you lose close games like this, because right. then you're trying to determine, okay, well, what separates which both one of these was teams? it? Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. well, clearly it was the mistakes. (laughs) The other thing, by the way, remember, one of the rushing touchdowns, Jeff, came as a result of an Andy Dalton fumble where they took over on the Dallas 17. Mm -hmm. So if you really want to put things in perspective, they technically had one offensive touchdown in this game where they went seven plays, 75 yards, over 427 off the clock, and that was the Evan Ingram rushing touchdown. Mm -hmm. So that was the very first possession of the game for the Giants. After that... The scores were, there was a defensive touchdown, the four field goals, and then the other rushing touchdown was a gift because Andy Dalton could not handle the snap. So, you know, I look at consistency. You want to make sure you go out every week, and Jeff, you have the capacity to go 60 to 70 yards, move the chains, and score a touchdown. You know, when your offense could do that, you feel good. Hey, we'll be able to hang with anybody. We'll be able to overcome that. The other thing, speaking of the offense that you also had alluded to, Jeff, when you look at the pressure situation, Dallas recorded 10 quarterback hits. Now, they only had two sacks, but the 10 quarterback hits, I want to stick with that here. Daniel Jones, who is obviously going to continue to be criticized for the turnovers, and deservedly so. I mean, that has to be corrected. Nobody's going to stand in the way and say that doesn't have to be righted. But a lot of times that he was able to get passes down the field, was his ability to extend the play and roll out of the pocket. If he didn't do that, he was not going to be operating with a very clean pocket throughout the course of this contest. That can't be overlooked in this game. Might have been seven sacks. If you think half of those uh, quarterback hits, he wasn't able to get away, um, I mean, get the ball off. Yeah, I think that, you know, and part of Daniel Jones's game is, is his ability to elude the rush and make plays with his feet, you know, get out of the pocket, either run or or throw the football down the field. Um, but that offensive line, you know, yeah, they, they, they ran the ball decently, but that pass protection is, is, is starting to hurt him. And, you know, when you ask Daniel Jones, and I, I said on the pregame show yesterday in our Factor Fiction or over-under about the deep ball and, 
and having the ability to get down the field because those safeties were having problems with our communication. Um, and then Howard had, you know, somewhat corrected me in the sense that, you know what, he, they can't throw down the field, Jeff, until they have protection. Well, he was 100% correct. Um, and until they get that type of protection, Daniel Jones is not going to be able to throw the ball down the field. Now, he did a couple times yesterday, um, and that was good, but they have to continue to pass protect a little bit better. And those guys, um, it's baptismal by fire at this point with those young guys. Um, you know, one thing I did say, think I really, really like to see, and from this is from Nick Gates, that touchdown by uh, Freeman down on the goal line, he was stopped about at the one-yard line and not going anywhere. And Nick Gates turned around and saw him standing there, and he plowed that, he plowed that pile into, into the end zone. Push That's what you yeah. love to see about an offensive lineman who, you know, is that physical. And he is a physical guy, and I think he's, he's a good one, and he's learning on the fly, just like Thomas is too. So, I mean, these guys, um, sooner or later, they're going to put a game together, and we're all going to scratch our head and say, where was this? You know, you hope. Well, that's an extra effort play too, Jeff, I would classify it as, where your offensive lineman realizes, hey, you know, let's hustle towards the ball carrier and let's make sure that we can finish the play. And speaking of the rushing attack, 27 carries, 89 yards, numbers that don't necessarily jump off the page, but let's dig a little bit deeper. I thought overall their ability to run the football and consistently be able to have positive yardage, set them up very nicely on third down throughout the course of this game. Mm -hmm. You look at the fact that they had eight runs for five yards or more. That's the second straight week that's happened. They had one run for 10 yards or more. That was a 13-yard run. So they didn't necessarily have big explosive runs, but they didn't have a lot of those killer negative yardage sure. runs, Jeff. Yeah. Well, last and that week, where they have two? Maybe uh, last week, they had two. Two yeah. for no gain or negative yards. But mm -hmm. the first three weeks, Steelers, they had nine of them. The mm -hmm. Bears, they had three of them. And against San Francisco, they had five of them. So now, go. the last two weeks, they had six of them. Yeah. You and don't want to see third, a high and look, volume. And, sure. And look at their third down production this game. You know, exactly. It was pretty good. Which Seven which, of 13. You know, if it, it's just the tail of the tape, right? I mean, you understand when you get in third and longs, you don't have that many plays to run. Um, Golden Tate continues to be his favorite target on third downs, um, you know, making plays. I actually thought because the Giants were running the football last week and were able to get a little bit of traction this week, we saw a lot more play action out of Daniel Jones which freezes those linebackers and being able to make some plays down the field and some underneath routes and things like that. So that, that folks is where your running game can help your passing game. And if you are able to not become one dimensional, which we know the giants were forced into the first three games of the season, the defense knew what they were going to do. They're going to stop the run and now make you pass. And that's a lot easier to play defense when you know what the offense is doing. But that's not the case now. I mean, I think the Giants are slowly getting to run the football a little bit more. I, I don't know about you, Lance, but I thought that Jason Garrett called his best game. I thought he was creative. And yeah. I thought he did a nice job game planning against a team. Obviously, he, he knew. Um, but I like the way the creativity in the red zone um, with a lot of motions and shifts. And, you know, they, the two-point conversion play to Andrew Thomas. That exactly now, and let's look at this. They didn't go away with the trickery after. Remember the the pitch to against the Niners. They actually they ran a very similar play to getting exactly in the right. end zone. And yeah. my point is that okay, you know, we messed it up. We turned the ball over on that play, but we're going to practice it because we understand it's a good play. 
and it's going to work for us. Well, you know, they, they went back to the well and they did it and they executed it. So I, I'm just trying to be positive. I know that there's a lot of negativity with this team and there should be, but I'm trying to get everybody to understand what I've been saying for the last few weeks and even to this season is that progress. We need to see progress. We need to be in, see improvement. And some of the development of these players that Dave Gettleman has brought in that many people question, we need to see the development and the improvement on a week-to-week basis out of them. Now, I will tell you this. They're young, and I know being around this NFL for as long as I have is that they're young and they are going to make mistakes. But as long as they are showing steady improvement, where you're going to see something happen is when all of a sudden the guy is just a dud. And he's like, he is not showing any improvement. In fact, he's digressing. Then you're going to see a personnel change. Then you're going to see, and I don't mean to say this as Cam Fleming, but I'm just telling you, Matt Pert, that situation, you will see that happen. But, um, and remember, they had, they had said about Matt Pert, it was basically we wanted to get him some reps in there, which I totally believe in, um, because you want to get the guys into game reps because you don't get those. They never had those game reps in, in, in preseason. So a lot to think about, a lot to understand what's going on with this team. I will tell you this, Holmes, I don't, if you remember this play, Lance, yesterday, he was on a corner blitz, okay? Um, Ezekiel Elliott was pass protecting. He blew up Ezekiel Elliott and basically got his first sack of the season on Dak Prescott. That yeah, was he split a it with beautiful, Marcus Golden. Yeah. beautiful play. A beautiful play. Now, I saw him do the same thing earlier in the season on that same play. He didn't get to the quarterback, but he was physical. And he, he basically got right on that running back and really showed me something on that play. And then yesterday I saw him do it again, and he got the sack this time. That was impressive. That's the, that's the ability. That's the progression. That's the improvement that you're wanting to see out of some players like him. Okay. Darnay Holmes, a fourth rounder, I believe. Yep. Um, so those are the kind of guys, where, you know, you want those guys to, you want to hit on those guys. You know about your first three rounds. Those guys got to play. But your fourth, fifth, sixth, your Darius Slaytons of the world, things like that, you're hoping that those are the kind of guys that become good players for your team. Big Blue Kickoff Live is presented by New York Lottery. Get out there and play. He is Jeff Fiegels. I'm Lance Meadow. Thanks so much for tuning in. We're recapping the Giants' 37-34 loss to the Cowboys at AT AT&T Stadium in Week 5 as the Giants fell to 0-5 on the season. A reminder, Giants fans, get a New York Giants checking account from Investors Bank with a Giants-branded debit card, security features, and discounts at the Giants online shop. You can earn up to $250 when you open an account at InvestorsBank.com slash Giants, member FDIC. Okay, let's open up the phone lines as we move forward here. 201-939-4513, hashtag Giants chat. You can also tweet directly at us, at Lance Meadow, one word, last name, M-E-D-O-W. He is at Jay Fiegels. Jack is in Florida. He gets us going here on Monday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live. What's happening, Jack? Oh, Jack. Is it Gary? It's Jack. It's Jack. Well, are you Gary <laughs> or are you Jack? You yeah, tell I'm us. Gary. I'm sorry. You're Gary. Okay. You're Gary in Florida. Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct, Lance. Jack, okay. Well, you. Gary, welcome aboard. What do you have for us? I appreciate you, man. I just want to talk about uh, Daniel Jones. You know, I know lately he's been getting a lot of heat, man. And yesterday I watched the game. I thought he played a good game. I mean, he hung in there, man, with a, uh, taking hits and standing in the pocket, man. I just don't think, like uh, Jeff was saying, he just doesn't have the time to get to his reach down the field to make any big plays. Like people are saying, people are running wide open, but he just doesn't have the time to get the ball to them. So I just want to see how you guys feel about that. And I just have one other thing after that. 
Well, why don't you throw out your other statement, and then we'll be more than happy to tackle uh, the that. The other statement was, man, I, I started vacation yesterday about 4 o'clock, man, watching the game. And I tell you <laughs> what, man, listen to Tony Romo on there, man. He was killing us on the broadcast, man. <laughs> but I had to actually turn it off and just watch the TV with the view button. I couldn't listen to Tony no more, man. He was giving it to us. He was, he was really telling us how bad we were when we were bad, man. It was just, I don't know if you noticed that, but uh, he was rubbing that in there a little extra there, I want to say. <laughs> All right, Gary. Well, we appreciate the phone call. Uh, Jeff and I obviously tied up with the radio broadcast, so uh, well, I don't funny tend to I, listen I, to the TV broadcast too much. I actually did listen to Tony Romo yesterday because I actually think he's pretty good. Um, and even though it gets a little bit old of him knowing what's going to come before the play, I mean, that's a guy that played a lot of football, you know. Um, but I, he did he did get off on the Giants a little bit, but I will tell you this. He did a lot. He also said a lot of good things about the Giants. He also said a lot of good things about Joe Judge. He also said a lot of good things about how this team reminds him of a lot of the stuff that the Patriots are doing, and, hey, that's a good thing. They're very successful up there. Um, as far as Daniel Jones, Lance, I will tell you this. If you watch him play and you watch him hesitate to throw the ball sometimes, that gives you an idea of the pressure that he's getting. He's not able to get back in his regular dropbacks, set his feet, and then look at his progressions. If the first one is not open, he goes to the second one and hopefully gets rid of it there. What's happening is he's getting back into the pocket. He's setting his feet, and all of a sudden he's already getting pressure. So he's got to do that little kind of hesitant. He kind of like pump fakes a little once in a while. Um, that's from pressure, internal pressure, and that's just going to come from experience and getting a better offensive line to play better. So that we have to keep an eye out for going forward. Yeah. I don't know about you. I think it's a combination of the pass protection, and I also think it's a combination of the decision-making for the quarterback. I mean, Daniel Jones will be the first one to tell you, Jeff, and, you know, I always listen to the commentary from the players just to see if I could pick up something and gain a lens through what they were seeing, and Daniel Jones said on the strip sack play, you know, he sensed that the pressure was coming, Mm -hmm. and he needs to do a better job of sometimes getting rid of the football quicker, and those are things we talked about, but, you know, there are times where, Jeff, as you can attest to for being on the football field, it's a bang-bang play. Things happen so quickly. You know, you watch on TV, you think there's a eternity by the time the snap comes and then the defensive end is off the edge. I mean, boom, boom, it's there. So, you know, while we say, hey, it's easy, throw away the football, don't allow the defensive lineman to make a play, sometimes it happens so quickly that even the smartest quarterbacks in the NFL sometimes, you know, can't get rid of the football. But I do think it's a combination of both factors. I think it's the offensive line and him doing everything in his power to extend plays and make some very impressive throws. I mean, there were some throws that he made yesterday up the sideline, Jeff, mm-hmm. where he found Darius Slayton, and you would say, how the hell was that completed? I mean, given how that play started off. You know, and then, of course, there are the plays where if you ask Daniel Jones to look back at the film and say, hey, you know, throw it away, live to see another down. Don't try to make something out of nothing if there is and nothing did that. that can happen. He did yeah. that yesterday. I mean, he's learning. You saw him throw away the ball quite a few times where there was nothing there. The other thing good that going for this offense for the Giants, I mean, we talk a lot about the negativity of this, but the positive stuff is that this is a lot of this is being put on tape. So teams have to start preparing for some of this success that the Giants are having. I know it's not a lot. They're not winning football games, and that's the bottom line. And I know that, but when teams are starting to do things well, run the football, throw the ball here or there, teams have to prepare for this opposed to they're not doing anything good. And they, you know what I'm saying? They can get easier to game plan a team that doesn't do anything good rather than to go out there and try to game plan for a team that does a few things well. They got to prepare for it. So we'll see what happens this week.
Another division game. Another division game, correct, against Washington, a team that will see what happens with their quarterback situation. Ron Rivera, as you hit on in the postgame show, did mm-hmm. further indicate that if Kyle Allen is healthy, that they have every intention of starting him. But Alex Smith is a veteran, and great story. Great to see him back on the field. If you're a football fan, forget which team you root for. You should mm-hmm. appreciate a story like that. Yeah, so it remains to be seen who's going to be under center for Washington. We'll have all week to dissect that, but it's – Absolutely important, and this continues to be a great stretch for the Giants because you've got four more divisional games in the span of five, and you've got a division that nobody's necessarily running away with, but anybody who wants to continue to preach, oh, well, we'll just root for Washington and Philadelphia and Dallas to lose games, don't think that that is going to be something that wins you a division, okay? You don't (laughs) win a division, Jeff. by having other teams lose and give you gifts. You win a division by taking care of your own business, and the Giants have to start doing that. So I don't want to hear any phone calls. I'm telling you right now, if you call up and you tell us, well, Washington lost yesterday to the Rams, Philly lost to the Steelers, and just because the Giants lost to the Cowboys, they're still technically within two games. Technically, actually, the Cowboys have a tiebreaker now, so they're three games ahead if you want to be mathematically correct. I don't want to hear it. So save that. We're not trying to, once again be pessimistic it's just that's the reality of football land right now so <laughs> let's save those phone calls for somebody else to field <laughs> yeah unless unless you think that this team is going to break a record as far as the team that makes the playoffs that starts 0 and 5 i don't think there's ever been a team that makes a playoff that started 0 and 5 i, I, I mean, can't I'm say that guessing. the archives show favorably in that department yes no no so i and again i it always the, the thing always points to you know let's play good football against our opponents and let's build on the season and let's give this football team a chance to get better after five games in in a season, with, with this is 2020, folks, it's 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 crazy. Just look at yesterday when we're I, I'm looking on the computer while the game's going on. Just you know, I like to uh, go around to Twitter and look what people say. All of a sudden, the, the NFL pops up these new schedules. It's like, okay, we are definitely in COVID. I mean, oh, yeah. you saw that, right? I mean, it's like what. I, I'm lost. Like, how did how did all of a sudden everything just starts changing? Like, the buys are getting taken away, and the guys are playing on Tuesday nights now. And it's fluid. It's yeah. It's just so. Understand that you know football players are so regimented, football coaches are so regimented, and the way that the seasons go, I could tell you when I was playing football, I knew when it was May what was coming. I knew April what I was doing, July what I was doing, December hopefully going for a playoff run. These guys are out of sorts and with no timing to do anything in the off season and just I mean and I know it's just, I know it's the same for all of all the teams Lance, but it's really not. It's really not. I mean the Giants are not the same as, you know, the the uh the Green Bay Packers or someone like that. I mean they have better personnel and the Giants are working towards trying to build a better team and and we're seeing it week in and week out. They're getting better, but they still got a long ways to go. A long ways to go. By the way, just a quick side note before we reopen up the phone lines with respect to the comment about Tony Romo. Remember, Romo knows Jason Garrett's offense very well, Jeff. Okay, He yeah. played in Jason Garrett's offense. Yeah, so if anybody knows the ins and outs, the nuances, that's the guy to want to hear from because he <laughs> exactly. understands what Jason Garrett's trying to accomplish. That's right. Yeah. And there's a reason why he knew everything that was coming. You know, don't be surprised you see this and you'll be circling around on the tele, teleprop thing there. And it's like it's a, it's it's actually it's kind of fun. I, I enjoy it. Um, a lot of people don't like him, but uh, I anytime I can learn and because I do learn from him, he's the guy that played a lot of football and understands football very, very well. And if you listen to him, he can teach you a little bit about kind of situational stuff that 
that a lot of people don't think of because the quarterbacks know everything. They, they understand football like you can't believe. They really do. They see things from an angle that not necessarily every other player does. Let's head back to the lines. Dan is in Delaware. He joins us here on Big Blue Kickoff Live. What's happening, Dan? Hi, Dan. Hey, guys. Hey. Um, yeah, Lance, uh, Jeff, you guys touched on pretty much everything in your opening about the game. Um, you know, I did want to mention, you know, what you already touched on, and you said it earlier about sure. the fans not, not getting, oh, we're only this amount of, game, uh, amount of games out because it's the division that I, I'm with you on that. But I could say I'm guilty myself, like, you, you, as a fan, you like, you, you, you build up these re- reasons why you think we're going to win. Like I went into the season, I look, I, I, I went into the season, I looked at the schedule, and I did win loss, win loss. I had a start in one and four. I thought we beat Chicago, so they're not even that far off from my expectations. But mm-hmm. I just feel so, so much more let down than sure. even what I expected coming in because as the games get closer, you know, it's Monday now. We're all like mad yeah, and yeah. we're all pissy. And then, you know, Wednesday's going to roll around and we're all going to be like, all right, so how can we win this? Now? You know, we're going to get back into that, like, cycle where we're like, all right, so what can we do? We can win this game. How can we do it? And, and it's stuff. So fans, they, we, we get like that. And you mentioned it earlier, and this is one of the things I wanted to talk about, Lance, where I keep seeing people going like, oh, the offense – woke up this week. The offense woke up this week, and you, you hit on it. It's like, no, one of the touchdowns was a defensive touchdown. One of the touchdowns came off a turnover. We had the ball inside the 20. We had four friggin', four friggin' field goals, and then we had one good drive, which was the first drive of the game. And from what I – you know, I'm not like a football savant or anything, but from what I know, a lot of those first drives are scripted plays. That's probably your best shot at a successful drive is that very first drive you have. And That's a good point. And – uh yeah, and so it's like that was our successful drive, and the rest is field goals. Now, granted, yeah, we have a great field goal kicker. I have my fantasy team yesterday. Give me twenty points, you know. But uh, there you go. But I'd like to be, I'd like to be having them kicking extra points. You know, we need touchdowns, and we need mm-hmm. the offense to generate these touchdowns. And and uh, so when people, and that's what, but that's what we do as fans. We're like, oh, we put up this many points. The offense woke up. But when you take a step back and you really look at it, and you go. It's a lot of it is it's it's hidden. It's like you can't just look at the numbers. Well, Dan, that's why I don't mean to cut you off. That's why context is very important. Okay, analysis with context is important, meaning you don't just throw out a number. You provide an explanation behind the number, which is exactly what we're doing. We're not trying to say that it's not good that the Giants put up 34 points, but let's now break it down and let's understand that the defense contributed to a lot of that and the turnovers by the Cowboys as much as the Giants offense themselves. Exactly. And no, and that's 100 percent right. So like and, 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 you know, I've been I've been trying to avoid this conversation because that's like we have so much time left in the season and and uh and, and i just am trying to get enjoyment out of it i don't even want to go there there's just so much time left but everybody's talking about lawrence and this and that and i would tell you if, if it weren't for the jets i think we would have a legit like possible shot at this but um i will say this weekend this game against the redskins if we lose this game to the redskins at home and I know they're not like a pushover team now. Uh, they got a legit uh, front, uh, like front four and, and pass rush and everything like that. But it, it's going to be that talk about the Lawrence talk and the draft it is going to get bigger and bigger and bigger. And, and what I want to say is, I've been trying to avoid it, but I understand why people are doing it. And if we go 0 6 to the Redskins, who we've basically owned the last couple years, um, I'm looking at our schedule. I don't see 
I mean, I grant it, anything could happen. Look what the Miami Dolphins did yesterday, the 49ers. Anything could happen. You could win a game you're not supposed to win on paper or whatever. But you look at the schedule, we got two games against the Redskins. we got a game against the Bengals who, who have been playing pretty well lately. It's hard to see wins on this team. And I'll say the Falcons and the Texans the last two weeks have fired, and I'm not calling for Joe Judge or anything like that. I'm just saying they fired their GMs at least. And and uh, they got a head start on everybody looking for outside candidates. And I'm not saying replacing a GM at this point in the season is going to make any difference on this specific season. But I will say we are three years now into Dave Gettleman, and I don't see how we are any better off. And everyone says we're young, we're youth, we're this. Yeah, we are, but we're three years in, and it feels like one year. This is the first year of a rebuild. This is what it feels like to me. Well, Dan, and we'll let you go on that note and appreciate the phone call. Thanks so much for weighing in. By the way, I'm not saying that anybody goes out of their way to do this on purpose. But remember, it's the Washington football team. Nobody's blaming anybody, but we got to start to get that other term out of our vocabulary. They are playing the Washington football team and not the R word, which they removed from the jargon. Real quickly, Jeff, before we get back to the lines, as far as, and we got into this yesterday on the radio postgame show, so that's why I want to emphasize that here on this show, because we understand different audience members don't necessarily listen to every program, but the... GM tenure, when you talk about Dave Gettleman, what has to be connected to that in terms of context when, you know, the last caller talks about youth. Pat Shermer was here for those first two years. Now you've got a brand new coach. You've got a new scheme. You've got your quarterback learning a new scheme. I feel as if that gets dismissed from the conversation. It's not an excuse. It's just the reality that while they've brought in players and they're young players and you want to see progression Jeff as you hit on earlier in terms of what maybe you take away from the Cowboys game they're also learning yet again new schemes and I bring up Alex Smith as an example who coincidentally is on the next opponent's team and I bring up other young quarterbacks and the common thread has been when you do not provide stability for a young quarterback whether it be the offensive line the play calling the play caller whatever you want to say Those quarterbacks have had trouble getting on the right track early in their careers because you've had them have to listen to many different voices in a very small and short period of time. Mm -hmm. It takes time. It takes timing. It takes it reps. Um, Mark Colombo had mentioned it last week about the offensive line. There are millions of reps behind. And when you have uh, two new coaches, two new systems, Daniel Jones, two new offensive systems in two years, um, you know, you've got a little influx of a new offensive line and you've got things coming through. It would be one thing to be talking about this GM thing and, and everything else if if Daniel Jones was in his third season with with Dave Gettleman and with Joe Judge, right? I mean, we would have – that would be an intense conversation. Well, because you'd have more of a sample size, Jeff. You would have the combination of the coach, the staff, and the GM together correct. with some sense of continuity. That's right. That's right. And so I, I just, I mean, it's hard. And listen, we all, the players all need to get better. And, and don't think for a moment that Dave Gettleman is sitting in his office going, why are the, what, why, what's wrong with this kid? We mean, you know, or, or, or wow, look what this guy is doing. You know, it's a constant in and out of, of personnel. Guys bring, look what they're doing at the cornerback position. Yeah. They've been trying to Good fill point. that thing for years. Um, well, but and, even this season, hold on, Jeff, in the first yeah. four games, think about how many guys lined up opposite James Bradbury at there the second five, quarter There spot. was five, and Len, I, I believe, brought this up last week. There are five guys on that roster going into the Dallas game that were not here on the opening day. You, you go got, through them. 
Yeah, um, Isaac you've Yedem. Got Colbert. You've got Ryan Lewis. Mm-hmm. Okay, there's two right there, and Lewis was the guy that was defending Michael Gallup at the end of the game. Um, okay, you've got Ryan Lewis, Colbert. You've got um, Gidham. That's the third one. Um, yep. You've got uh, Bubba. Help me out here. You got the you got the roster in front of you. <laughs> I'm bringing it up right now, just um, as a visual was, aid to your was, point. But I believe there was there was five of them. Okay. Now um, you're talking about entire secondary, right? We're not just focusing on cornerback. Yeah, no, no, just the entire secondary. Oh, because Colbert Safety's is, you know, a safety, too. Yeah, that's why. Yeah, that's well, why. Madre Harper, if that's you want to go there. That's okay, it. he's now a new— And then Logan Ryan, of course. There, there Logan Ryan there was a late addition. There's yeah. your five guys, okay? And just five weeks ago. Okay, so there's, there's your kind of turnover where you're trying to find different things. And then now, all of a sudden, you got injuries. This team's got injuries to deal with. you got two starting linebackers at the beginning of the season that are out. You know, I don't know how long—I don't know what the deal is with— with uh, Lorenzo Carter or Zimenez, IR Zimenez. Yeah, well, Zimenez we know is going to miss the next two games, Jeff, yeah. because this so, was the first of the three. But you're right, we don't know Carter. We don't know yet anything. No update yet. And I don't know exactly who they have, and I don't have it in front of me right here. Lance, you might be able to help me, who they have on the practice squad at those linebackers. Look, Tay Crowder, he got, he got a start yesterday. He started his first game. Um, so, you know, there's guys that are, are going to have to step up and um, get some experience. But, you know, those two guys, you lost two veterans, Zimenez and, and Carter. They're, they're two guys that have played a lot of snaps for you. To answer your question, Jeff, they don't technically have a linebacker on the practice squad. They do have Nico Lelos, who coincidentally played for Dartmouth in the Ivy League, who I saw well up close and personal. He's a defensive end. But if you need a pass rusher, he'd be the one guy that would fit the bill okay. of the players on the practice squad. And, and I don't know what the, the rule is. I mean, and listen, folks, we, we do a lot of study and we do a lot. But the, this stuff with COVID has changed constantly. So it's so hard to keep up on these rules as far as like the other day, there was talking about the free agent rule. You can't bring in guys now for how many weeks or, you know, I, well, I don't it's know. now five or six days. Correct. That you have to wait. <laughs> so yeah, it's like, well, that's why it's fluid. It's changing on you know? a day to day basis. And so and think about this. So all of a sudden now you get injuries to a certain position group, multiple injuries. Um, you're, you, you got some problems. Yeah, I mean, obviously Marcus uh, Golden has not been playing all that much this season. Well, he's now going to be probably playing a lot. because You know what's have... funny, Jeff? I, I don't mean to cut you off. I was looking yeah, at the okay. snap count. Mm-hmm. Believe it or not, he almost had all of his snaps on he the won. season <laughs> in yesterday's game alone. Yeah. Yeah. His pl- his snap count w- skyrocketed yesterday. Wasn't it like 50-something coming into this game? It was 67 coming into this game. I believe he played 57 snaps yesterday. <laughs> yeah, by, by default, right? I mean, so, um, or, or, I mean I'm, I'll confirm the numbers, but I, I know from looking at it, he was pretty much almost like in sync with his totals in yesterday alone. So, you know, you could see now them start to use him a little bit more. As they're going to have to. They're going to have to. Um, and hopefully Frackle, he can, you know, he can stay healthy. Um, the neck thing was, I was surprised to see him on the field yesterday. Um, I thought he was going to be inactive, but I think that he obviously pulled through it and uh, had a great play. Very athletic play. Very athletic play for a guy that, that, that size and uh, to, to score a touchdown. And, that, and that's the big plays that you want. Those are the big plays that, you, that are missing from this team. You love to see that type of effort and, you know, picking up that thing and going. It was just, it was really a great play. I mean, what a play to get down there to, the, in, to get into the goal, into the end zone by stretching out and putting that ball. How tall is he? He's like 6'4", six, 6'5". Six, He's a big dude. <laughs> yeah. Big dude. Just shows, just shows to show you how athletic these guys are. 
And I just confirmed it. Yeah, Golden played 57 snaps. He played 86% of the snaps yesterday. Yeah. So now go. that I'm looking at the uh, totals. Hmm. All right, let's head back to the lines at 201-939-4513 as you are listening to Big Blue Kickoff Live, presented by New York Lottery. Get out there and play. Matt is on Long Island. Matt, welcome aboard. What do you got for us? Hey, Matt. Hi, guys. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. Uh, sure. What do you this, got? This isn't why I called, but just, just real quick on, on Gettleman, you know. You can't really completely exonerate him from Shermer. You know, he did have a hand in hiring him. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we could talk about the GM stuff, you know, when, at the more appropriate time. A play in yesterday's game that really bothered me, uh, that I think kind of goes unnoticed, it was 34-31 Giants. I believe it was 30-19 for Dallas, uh, the Giants 35. And the Giants were pretty content to – give up the 10, 11 yards uh, for, and give Dallas pretty much a chip shot field goal. And, and the reason I don't like that, I understand that this was the 2011 Giants. You'd be pretty confident that you put the ball back in Eli's hands and that offense, they were great the two-minute drill. They'll go down and they'll get their field goal. You don't want to give up a touchdown there. But being honest, guys, did either of you have any confidence with our offensive line and the way they passed block that we were going to go down the field and get a field goal there on that final drive? Hmm. Not, I mean, the thing about it is. <laughs> that says it all, Jeff. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. You know, and, and, and the reason I, and I. pass protect like that. Well, and again, we talked about this earlier on the show. It was just about, you know, the ability, the inability to take drives at the end of the games and, and produce into game-winning plays. And they haven't done it all season. And the ones that they have done, they've turned the football over or the penalties get them and they take them out of field goal range. So. Yeah. Um, so the answer to your question is no, I don't have confidence. Yeah, I that the one positive play on that drive was probably the best play Jones made all day. I thought he was throwing the ball out of bounds. He scrambled right, he hit Slayton for a first down. But he, I mean, he, I knew, I, I was watching against my brother, I said, there's no way because they have to pass here. They can't keep them honest with the run. They're going to pin their ears back. They, there's going to be guys in his face the second he plants the ball. And that's exactly what happened. And they pumped it back. To be honest, I was hoping when they got, they would run the ball on the first down, maybe take 40 seconds off the clock and hope to win a coin toss in overtime when they could play more of a normal possession. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> well, they involved the running back. It's funny because Jeff and I were talking about this oh, possession remember, yeah. yesterday on the postgame show, yeah. and Deion Lewis was the target on those three plays, coincidentally. So, I mean, they were involving the running backs, and the thing that we were talking about was – if you have Deion Lewis run for two yards or you dump it off to him for two or three yards, those are essentially the same plays because the result <laughs> is what matters. So to me, they it really are, doesn't but... matter whether or not you ran the ball or dumped it off to the running back. I mean, clearly you always want production, but whether you choose point A or point B, I don't look at it as that big of a difference. Well, well hold on. I, I would agree with you, but I think if they would have ran the ball, you're doing it with the idea that we're playing it conservatively. I don't think that they wanted to throw the ball to Deion Lewis, I think they had to do that in necessity because the second he gets the ball, there's, there's already guys running in his face. So it, it, at least strategically, if they, I, I was hoping they would just run it and then maybe on the first down take 40 seconds off and would have dropped it down to like maybe 110, and then maybe you take a couple stabs at it. But, yeah, to your point, I mean, you could have ran the clock off either way, but I don't think that their plan was to build the ball to Lewis. It's just that. There was no time to get rid of the ball. They, they well, of course, and, and Daniel Jones actually even admitted that after the game. And, Matt, appreciate the phone call. Thanks for weighing Ooh. in, where he said, yeah, it wasn't as if Deion Lewis was priority number one. It was the fact that he appeared to be open. Other options were no longer available, so he dumped it off to the running back. And keep in mind, remember, 
Jeff, Dallas has three timeouts on that last possession. Now, you mm-hmm. could argue, okay, maybe if you run the ball, you get a first down, you're going to force Dallas to utilize a timeout. But keep in mind, they didn't even have to utilize all of their timeouts on that final drive because Zerline, when he kicked the field goal, Jeff, Dallas utilized its second timeout right before that with three seconds left. So they actually took home a timeout with them, with the victory. So my point is, even if you force Dallas to use one of their timeouts, let's say, if you would have run the ball or whatever it may be, Dallas still had a timeout available even with that final drive. So, you know, the coulda, woulda, shoulda game could play out. That doesn't mean you would have necessarily been successful in eating up more clock. And they made made two big plays down the field to get into that field goal range. So, um, you know, the Giants just got to make a play there. They give yeah. up a 28-yard uh, reception. I mean, the nine-yard one, you'll, you know, I mean, that's a nine-yard in a two-minute drill. A 38-yard reception, Jeff. Not 28, 38. Thir- oh, 38, <laughs> on excuse that last me. Yeah. yeah, 38 yards. I mean, the yeah. nine-yard, you'll, you'll take that all day. I mean, but the 38, I mean, and just a great play. I mean, covered. I mean, the guy would tackle them if he was on them. Um, but it's just that's above the X's and O's. Somebody's got to go up and make a play there and just get up and, and make something happen. Pressure, uh, you know. Haven't seen it in a while, Lance. Haven't seen that in so long where Giants are in position to, to win a game or even just, you know, at that instance, tie and go into, into overtime. Somebody comes up with a big play like back in the day where Strahan or O.C. or somebody would make a strip sack or just a big play or, you know, something. Something like that. Um, we just hope it comes soon. Well, in terms of getting that finishing play on defense, you're I guess the word, to. that's a great word. Somebody's got to finish, right? It's a finishing play. I like that. Let's head back to the lines. Jamal is in Dallas. Jamal, welcome to the show. What do you got for us? What's going on, fellas? Appreciate the call. Appreciate allowing me to get in. Well, thanks so, for making it. Yeah. Um, my thing was watching the game um, in Dallas. Um, just <clears throat> does Daniel Jones really have upside? I mean, I know he does, but I know we talk about the line, the receivers, new coaching staff, second time he's learning the offense. But it seems like some of the same things are carrying over from last year. To me, I don't know if that all has to do with linemen play all the time or change your coaching staff all the time. I mean, some things are technique, and sometimes you should be getting better at things you weren't really good at before. So I'm not saying he's he's bad, but I'm just concerned that is he someone that's going to be able to get us over the hump when we do get those quality players um, in there eventually? Like, is he going to be able to progress when we upgrade the line or if we upgrade the line or when Saquon comes back? Like, are these still going to be things that we're worrying about? Is he going to get – when he gets hit, is he going to drop the ball? Like, are those things that you think he's going to be able to get over or is that just something that's going to be in his makeup and it's something we just got to suck up? Mm-hmm. Well, I, I think it's something we, we don't know, but I, I feel like – I feel like Daniel Jones has the potential to be a very good football player. You see some, you see him make some plays. Even last year, you know that drive against the Washington Redskins last year, where he drove him down in the two minute and then scored. I mean that that was that was precious. I mean that just showed you that he could do some things like that. But to your point, is that this? I, I think that the one mark on Daniel Jones, if you if you were to say Daniel Jones is X, and what is it? I mean he fumbles, right? He's a turnover guy. He throws, yeah. You know, so. So if we erase that from him, are you, are you content enough to say Daniel Jones is our franchise quarterback because you know what? He doesn't turn the ball over. He throws, you know, yeah, he's going to throw the interception here or there, a fumble, but he doesn't do it constantly. 
You see what I'm getting at? If he can, if he can clean up one of those problems. Remember Tiki Barber? Tiki With Barber, everybody action. remembers him yeah. as fumbling, right? But once he got rid of that fumbling, man, the guy could play. So. But I guess my question is, like, we have you have yeah the fan base coming at, you know, the GM. You got fan base talk about let's get let's get Trevor, and it's like okay. But we're, we're, people are saying that and complaining that, but we we go into year three with this guy. Is he mm -hmm. is he going to turn the corner on that? Like, mm -hmm. I think that's what people are really scared. Like, is it really sure. worth hoping the, that? Okay, year three, are we still hoping when that when that DN comes off the end, is he going to be able to secure that sack without the ball yeah. flying out in the air? You know, because I feel like like you were saying, I think that's his one of his flaws. I mean, yeah, quarterback's going to throw interceptions. Yeah, I mean, you listen, know, I, I think it's a scary flaw. It's a scary I, flaw, though. It, it really is, and I, I think that that's that the jury is out, and I think this this season, uh, toward towards the, when we get to the end of the season, we'll be able to, to answer that question a little bit more. I really do. And well, and, and Jamal, be, before you continue, listen, nobody's disputing the facts. Twenty-two career fumbles in eighteen games. He's lost fourteen of them. And then I'm looking at my charts here. There's been one game that Daniel Jones has played in which he's been the starter where there's been absolutely clean football, meaning that he hasn't had at least one turnover. And that was week 16 against Washington, which is the game that Jeff was just talking about. That was it. So, yeah, that trend right. has to end. You, you can't win games in the National Football League. It doesn't matter whether it's the quarterback, the team, however you want to categorize it. You are not going to win football games when you're turning the ball over at that consistent rate. It's just not going to happen. Daniel right. Jones knows that. Point. The Giants know right. that. And then, and then, you know, I'm with you, Lance. I, I, I watch the interviews. I listen to the players' interviews and see, you know, and, and, and it's kind of frustrating me listening to Daniel Jones because it's like, come on, man. We know you know you're not supposed to do that. Like, we know you know you got to clean that up. We're asking for when the actions that actually happen to when we see that as a result, you know? It's like, come on, buddy. We, we want to ride with you. We want to, you know, I feel bad for quarterback. I mean, look at Washington. I mean, Dwayne Haskins went from the 15th pick. He starting QB. Now he's on depth chart. You know, I'm like, good God Almighty. I mean, it's the 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 the, the room for error for quarterbacks. They're on a very they're on a very short leash, right? People already of course, Jamal. But zone. but in fairness, though, in fairness, though, you can argue that's way too soon to bail on a guy like Dwayne Haskins. I mean, we're talking about he's got a new offensive coordinator, a new offense, right. and four games into the season, you're already making a change? Now, once again, right. that's not the, the Giants' decision-making, and that's not necessarily a reflection of where the Giants would go. But, you know, in fairness, there's no right or wrong way to ride things out with your quarterback. But I'm of the mindset that when there's a lot of change around the quarterback and you've taken a quarterback that high, patience needs to be part of the motion, okay, and right. part of the process in terms of saying, hey, you can't expect this to guy to become a franchise guy or a pro bowler overnight when there's been so much change around him. That's not crazy to say yeah. either. And the current yeah, coaching thanks. staff did not draft oh. him either. That's, Correct. That makes a big part of it. No, absolutely right. referring to right. asking. Yeah. And that, so, so that's what I'm worried about because we have a new, we have a new regime. The only person that's there that drafted him was um, our David Gettleman. I'm wondering, like, hey, is Judge and Garrett going to be like, hey, Let's look elsewhere. Let's let's try to look. You know, I don't want that. I don't want to have to start over with another quarterback. You know, I, I I hope we don't have to. I just hope Daniel Jones can get it together to where he can be. I don't. I'm not looking for to be a Hall of Famer, but you know, serviceable. Give him some games. Give him some positions to win. My last point is on the defensive play when Gallup caught that play. Who was the DB? Was it? It wasn't Logan Ryan, was it? No, it was Ryan Lewis. Yeah, Ryan Lewis. So all he has to do, and I don't know if he tripped. All he has to do is play the guy's hand. I don't know. 
if he, if he was got caught up looking at the ball and he lost where he was. But if he plays through that guy's hand, that's an incomplete, what, either, whether he catches it or not, because he's going out of bounds with the ball. He plays through the guy's hand, that play doesn't even happen. So I'm like, come on, guys. Don't, don't go for his legs. Go through his hands. Like, <laughs> you know, well, that, that you know what happened play. actually on that play, Jamala, and we're going to let you go. Appreciate <clears throat> the phone call. Thanks so much for weighing in. Jeff, Gallup actually mistimed his jump. If you go back and you watch that play, mm-hmm. he sort of stumbled a little. Mm-hmm. I thought it was just an incredible play by the wide receiver, and sometimes you just got to tip your cap. But, you know, when you say Lewis needed to make an adjustment, Gallup made a heck of an adjustment from his perspective when he probably is going to go back and look at the film and he's going to say, I mistimed my approach because, mm-hmm. you know, he had to sort of make an adjustment and the ball was moving around. The fact that he was able to cradle that in, I thought was a very fantastic effort. And it's incredible that Danny Dalton was able to throw a football like that coming off the bench. <laughs> I mean, Even more you know, impressive, yeah. I mean, listen, I, I that's know he's a veteran. That's why it pays to have a veteran backup. Yeah, That's exactly right. I mean, the guy's made a lot of plays over his career, and, you know, that just comes from experience right there. And, um, you know, it, I guess the good thing to say is that he was covered. It wasn't like he was running wide open, you know. So uh, at, least they, yeah. at least they got the coverage right. And, uh, you know, this, this, this guys get paid. They all get paid, too. So the other team makes big plays. They make plays in, to win games. And that's what you want from your own team. You want big plays to win games. And until we see this team making those types of plays, we're going to have to live with the results. Let's head back to the lines. Len is in Columbia, Maryland. What's happening, Len? Hey, guys. How you doing? Hi, Len. Uh, more frustrated than disappointed. Um, you know, if you'd come back from another planet, just came back this morning and called your friend and said, Tell me about the game. Tell me some things. I mean, all the all the things that we talk about on this show: time of possession, number of plays. Um, I mean, you, you know, look at look at the thing. I mean, you could just run, you could just run through them all, and we're in a favorable position. If my friend told me all those positive things, I mean, we scored six times plus, had a defensive on offense, plus we had a defensive touchdown. And we won the turnover battle. I mean, you'd say to your friend, bet the mortgage money, man. We must have won the game. So how did we lose this game, guys? Penalties. How did we lose it? How did we lose this game? <laughs> I, I, and I'm not, this is frustrating. I don't, I don't necessarily have the answer. I got an idea. Well, it's penalties. Looking, it's a, as Jeff and I were how talking we... off the top line. I mean, it's pretty obvious. Crucial, crucial plays, crucial yeah. penalties. They also remember the Dallas Cowboys defense scored a touchdown as well. Let's not forget about that. So, yeah, yeah, I know, I know, I know. But we had one more turnover than they did then, Lance. If we trade, no, I, I the, get if that. We trade the touchdowns. We had, we still won the turnover battle. You did, and, and we, we talked and we about that earlier. But, and and the, right. the offense okay. capitalized on the field position with the Andy Dalton fumble. They scored a touchdown. Devontae Freeman punched it in. But remember, you know, you brought up time of possession, and of all those drives, you settled for four field goals too. Okay, so you have three points yeah. to show for a lot of that time of possession. Remember. Well. Don't those numbers sound good, Lance? Uh, well, I mean, from a statistical standpoint, when you, when yeah. I mean, they certainly put you in a position they, to compete again. They, look, I, I guess one, you know one of the things I want to one of the things I want to say. It's hard at any time of the season. It's hard to lose five games in a row. Let, let me just throw out an idea. It may be harder to lose five games in a row than it is to win five games in a row. Hmm. I mean. I don't get it. I mean, it's just a frustration in me. We should be winning games, guys. Um, I, I think we – well, let me give you my idea. Um, 
pass blocking and pass rush. I mean, that's what's lacking again another week. Um, We've we got to give Andrew Thomas time. I get it. I get it. But a thought popped into my mind yesterday, and he got better as the game went on again. This seems to be a trend, by the way. Starts very, very slowly and gets better as, it, as, as, you know, as the game goes on. Um, but, you know, popped into my head yesterday, you know, long term, maybe he's an offensive guard. But listen, he's got to get stronger. I mean, I don't know a lot about line play. I mean, I remember from down in the playground, Jeff, you know, <laughs> down in the playground. I knew what you're supposed to do is, is get the guy, make sure the guy doesn't get to your quarterback. Okay? I mean, this guy's getting bull rushed. He's getting speed around the edge. Um, he doesn't look strong enough. Now, maybe there's, you know, there, there is such a thing as strong and NFL strong. Mm-hmm. I believe that. And maybe, Jeff, we need one year, uh, you know, in the weight room, and this guy becomes NFL sure. strong. Yeah. He's, well, he's, not, he's not overweight. He's not, he's not out of shape. But there may be a little baby fat there, Jeff. He's athletic. And this, yeah, and those guys, they are. They're young. They are. They want, and then when they get into the NFL, it's a whole different ball game. The guys know how to play. They, let, they use leverage to their advantage. And he has to combat that by getting stronger, and he will. But remember this. Okay. They had no offseason to get stronger this year. They had nobody yeah, really to yeah, do you're anything. Right. So. I, I get you. I get you. And I think that's just – I mean, geez, he was – I mean, he's getting pushed back right into the quarterback. I mean – Mm-hmm. You know, come on. I mean, we can't have it. Let me let me say one more thing, and I mean this. Real quick, a, yeah. You know, positively, positively, and as a suggestion, this is not a negative. Um, coach does a great job at those post game news conferences. He's right on. He's terrific. Um, he's a good PR guy. I mean, everything is going good. But look, at the end of his introductory comments on that, um, you know, on the on on his post game interview, he he's got to mention something about the team's injuries. It, it took him until a beat writer asked him a question about Lorenzo Carter. I, I, you know, well-deserved comments about Dak. I get it. I get it. Well-deserved. Well-deserved. I'm glad he did that. But, you know, we had a guy Carter off the field yesterday, too. He's got to be up front with that comment before you get into the question. A question about a hurt guy carried off the field shouldn't come from a beat writer. It should be answered in that first paragraph. Hey, guys, we got another opportunity next week. Let's go, Giants. Thank Thanks, you. Yep. yep, thank you. Appreciate the phone call. I don't remember the exact order because I did listen to Joe Judge's press conference, and I thought that in the midst of when he brought up Dak, he said our thoughts and prayers are also with Lorenzo Carter. I could have sworn I heard that. I'll go back and double-check. I don't know whether or not that came after a question was asked or it came in the middle of his commentary about Dak, but, Mm -hmm. I mean, the bottom line is he addressed the Lorenzo Carter injury. I, Mm -hmm. I really don't think whether you do it two seconds into a press conference, Jeff, or you do it three minutes into a press conference, it really makes a difference. But that's just my perspective. Sure. Well, I mean, it's just how he – yeah. I mean, got a lot to think about, right? I mean, of course. he just lost a I football mean, game. They should have yeah. won. And, um, <laughs> you know, there's a lot of things he could open up with. Um, but as long as he mentioned it, I guess. I, I see what Len's saying. I mean, it's just like I, – I think it's one of those things where, you know, that's one of your players. It probably should take precedence over anything. 
if he was carted off and wanted to, you know, talk, maybe put Lorenzo first and then Dak second, would that have made you feel better? I don't know. Yeah, and I get it. I understand that. <laughs> I know. But, yeah. you know, I once it, again, I, I think a lot of it is you knew more about what Dak was going through. There was a little bit more definitiveness, Jeff, because yeah. you saw the severity <laughs> of the injury. You didn't need to be a doctor to figure out what he's dealing with. Yeah. With Lorenzo Carter, the point was they're going to run tests. They don't know. They don't know whether or not yeah. it's a short-term injury or long-term injury. Well, they, so, said, they said it was an ankle. Then they said it was an Achilles. An so Achilles, we, uh, correct. Nobody yeah. knows what it is. So. Nobody I knows. I mean, Dak so, was pretty pretty evident what it was. His foot, yeah. was saying, his foot was going the other way, for God's sakes. Yes. And, and by the way, as a quick side note, we obviously wish him well in terms of his sure. recovery. You never want to see a player go down in that manner. <laughs> And uh, hope to see Dak Prescott back on the field sooner rather than later. And by the, the way, real quickly, when you, you know, I just again, too, and I say this because I, you know, I played in this, I played a long time. Okay. I, we all play for money. We, I mean, it's our salary. It's just like everybody works for what they work for. So just remember when these guys are holding out and people are kind of telling them, hey, listen, you know, what is he doing holding out? You know, they're offering them this or this or that. You know, take it with a little grain of salt here. I mean, the guy, goes and plays on a one-year deal I mean I, I don't want to get into it any further than that but I mean a lot of times people are quick to judge about guys that are holding out and then all of a sudden he does and now look what happens so there's a reason why these guys do hold out because this is the reason why because something like that happens and then the next thing you know the team says no I'm not going to give you your money that you wanted now he turned down 30 something million a year or whatever it was but I'm just trying to and I know that there's probably a lot of people that want to fight me over this but no, I agree careful. with you, Jeff. Keep preaching. I'm with you. Keep preaching. I, 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 mean, feel... I, I think it's well said, beautifully said. Okay. And I, I just want to – because it, 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 it means a lot to these guys to do that. And, you know, sometimes the organizations look at it differently than players do. But this is why guys don't do it. This is a prime example. It can't be said anymore that this is why guys hold out. It's exactly why. And well, I, I wish I him the it... best. He's a good dude. I, 100%. I mean, he's a great, and he's, a, he's a, just a nice man, a good player. Uh, is 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 good for the league, and then when something like this happens, it's just awful. I just hope that it's nothing real, real serious, like a, you know, like an Alex Smith injury, something like that, because that was pretty gross. <laughs> Man, well, he had that? surgery already late last night, mm -hmm. and you know that seems to be encouraging that hopefully he'll be on the road to recovery good. and uh, get back on the field sooner rather than later, given the fact that, you know, he was hurt week five into the season. We don't want to get too ahead of ourselves in terms of the 2021 season, but, you know, he'll have now a lot of time, months of rehab, and hopefully that'll put him in a position where he can uh, get back on the Boy, field. Well, I'll tell you what, he was having a heck of a football season. He was having a heck of a season. He was, indeed. Yeah. He was <laughs> having know, a heck so, of a career. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's you know, right. He's a big that's reason right. why Dallas has been successful more often than not. So sure. Th sure. There's no doubt about it, Jeff. And I think your point is well taken. I think that situations like this, you never want to see them. But I hope what it does, to your point, it humanizes the player. Very good. And what I mean by that is mm -hmm. we dissect these players. We put them under the magnifying glass because of the passion that we all have for football. But at the end of the day, they are human beings. They have faults. They have shortcomings. They get hurt. And we have to remember that. And I think yesterday, perhaps put a little bit more light on that. You know, the other thing real quickly before we wrap up that jumped out to me, how about Jason Garrett going over? Wonderful. Wasn't that something to be recognized? Well, it just a guy goes that to he show coached you... for years yes. right out there on the field with Mike McCarthy. Mm -hmm. the, the personal side, you know, yeah. is, is means just as much. And uh, yeah, that was, that was a, a great gesture. And um, I thought that was, that, I thought that was tremendous. I really did. That was great.
So that is going to wrap up Monday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live. We appreciate everybody for tuning in. It is presented by New York Lottery. Get out there and play. As a reminder, you can find the archive of this show and our entire podcast network brought to you by Investors Bank on the Giants mobile app, podcast platforms everywhere, and at Giants.com slash podcast. We want to thank Pearson for his assistance. You, the listeners, will try to answer some of your tweets off the air. For Jeff Fiegels, I'm Lance Meadow. Enjoy the rest of your Monday. We'll be back up and running Tuesday at noon Eastern. Have a good one.